Okay, so one thing that I've had to accept and realize is that everything that the Lord has set out, set up for every Christian is not for every Christian. Like, while we all have a journey with God and we'll all pretty much generally know who God's character is and who he is, we'll all experience him differently as well as we'll all have a different walk with him. I don't have a problem accepting that and I'm not denying that. I've noticed that and it's something that's a lot of times when you see certain things for other people it's so very hard to accept and a lot of times just troubling. So I just also realized that like I wanted to, you know, kind of get on YouTube or get on the social media and get on the internet. Excuse me. And sort of like expose these different things that, you know, I have experienced and I have gone through. But God has always stopped me. He's always, you know, kept me from doing it. He's even, you know oftentimes express how he feels about my podcast which I feel like is definitely hindering my growth when it comes to God this podcast definitely hinders my growth and nothing should ever hinder your growth with your relationship with God that is definitely nothing that I'm ever encouraging or I'm never trying to you know make that look good you know it's just that I just been like I just get so frustrated like not having no one I can really trust and talk to that's really for me and for God. So I have to, you know, I I kind of have to, you know, kind of express myself on this podcast and even when it feels like no one is listening or no one may ever hear it it still makes me feel better. And that's that's enough. It's just like keeping a diary or a journal. Except for maybe one day the Lord will let this fall on the right ears. And it can encourage someone and help somebody in their journey. By no means necessary am I trying to attract attention. Or judge anybody. Or make anybody feel less than. Or, you know make myself feel less than, underestimate myself or anyone else. I'm not trying to do that. That's not what I want. I want the best for everybody. I genuinely do. Like, I believe that if I didn't want the best for everybody, I wouldn't be myself. I wouldn't be who I was. I can't, I don't know what kind of me I would be if I was really out here, you know, wishing bad on everybody and really hoping that everybody fails. I can't do it. I don't do it. You know, I have before. I'm not, you know, going to pretend like I've never wished that, you know, something bad on somebody. But, you know, my heart just genuinely wants everybody to be okay. If I ever wish anything bad on anybody, it's because I felt like, you know, after what they've done, maybe they should experience whatever it is that they've done to me back on them so that somehow they can be brought to a better understanding of why not to treat people like that why you don't treat people like that why you don't do people like that 
because it always comes back and God is real. And, you know, I don't want to be that person that casts that judgment. That's why I leave it up to God, because if I wanted to be the person to cast that judgment, there's a lot of ways people are casting judgments nowadays. For example, canceling somebody or, you know, going to get a gun yourself and seeking vengeance on your own when the Lord said vengeance is mine. You know, pursuing somebody or trying to hurt someone or ruin their lives. That's, you know, trying to cast a judgment for yourself. But, you know, I don't. You know, I pray for them because I know that God, God is going to figure it out. Like, I don't ever want to sound like I'm just so perfect. And that's the problem. Like, I don't feel like I should even have to say that. Because if you understand that I'm not, then why do I have to say that I'm not perfect? Why is it triggering to you? Why am I triggering to you? Why does it trigger you to say that? Why does it provoke you to feel like I'm pretending as if I'm perfect when you know no one's perfect? So if anything, that should give you an idea that, you know, you know, maybe you should be thinking differently. Maybe you should change your perspective on how I said it. Because perception is everything. And I could have said, you know... I'm not perfect. And you could have took it like, are you saying you are? Or you could have took it like, of course no one is. It's all about perception, really. I try my best to get my point across as clear as possible with the way that I say things, the context surrounding it, and just my overall emotion involved in it. I try my best to get people to understand where I'm coming from, but I can never control how you perceive it. That's all on your end. That being said, you know, I hope that, you know, that's why I pray to the Lord that, you know, this this falls on the right ears and they're, they're perceiving it in the way that I meant it to be perceived. That the message is getting across that I actually want it to get across. And what I want to, to get across is that, you know, learn from my mistakes Learn from, you know, I want to help somebody so that they don't have to necessarily be as blinded as I was or go into it as blind or as ignorant as I did. Satan is counting on your ignorance. And if I can go through something so you don't have to, I'm okay with that. I've already been through it. So what else do I have to lose? I would be a horrible person if, you know, I wanted to see you trip and fall in the same pit I tripped and fall, tripped and fell into instead of saying, hey, look, it's a hole. Watch out, you know, and some people, they get their kicks out of that. Some people are like, if I fell into it, you're going to have to find out the hard way yourself. That's just what it is. You know, maybe you'll look next time where you're walking and you can prevent them from falling into that hole and still teach the same lesson. You could say, hey, look, and then they will say, whoo, thank you. I missed that hole. I better watch where I'm walking. So you don't have to see them fall into that hole for them to learn that lesson. The one thing I've always kind of questioned, people say some people have to learn the hard way. And that is true because some people are hard-necked and they just don't want to listen. But that's after you've already tried to relay the message. Don't try and keep this type of valuable information from somebody that can help them and say that they have to see, see it and figure it out for themselves and learn the hard way. Like, that's hateful. It's evil. And their blood is on your hands. Because guess what? They could either learn from the hard way, whatever kills them, whatever doesn't kill them makes them stronger, or it can kill them. And their blood is on your hands because you had the opportunity to warn them and save their lives. But I don't know if people think like that or if they're secretly hoping that's what happens. 
You have to consider all options and stop being so selfish because that's where it starts. It starts with the fact that you're sitting up there, not sitting up there, but you're probably saying to yourself, I don't feel like I should have had to go through that. And, you know, it's not fair that I had to go through that. So, you know, somebody else is going to have to go through that too. See, I might say, I don't feel like I should have had to go through that. And it's not fair that I've gone through that. I get that part. You know, it may not be fair. And, and you probably didn't have to go through that or it you probably shouldn't have had to. But then I take that experience and I say, you know, I don't want to see nobody else hurt like this. I don't want to have to see anybody else experience that. And I understand I'm different, you know. So it's my perception. But that should be the way. You know, I don't want to cast judgments or, or be the one to decide. But that's also what God teaches, you know. Don't do anything that causes your brother to stumble. If you don't warn them the things I've told you, if you don't relay the message of all the good news and bad about the things that can save their soul, then their blood is on your hands. But if you tell them and they reject it, your 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 hands are clean. So the whole time you're thinking, I'm not telling them anything. They're going to have to figure it out for themselves and learn the hard way because that's how I had to learn. And they'll figure it out. They'll make their way. The whole time you're doing that, blood is just on your hands. Your hands are bloody. You don't even know that, do you? Exactly. That's why you have to stop being so selfish. Satan is counting on your ignorance. He's counting on it. So relate a message. Like, don't, don't, you know, don't fall in a hole, hurt yourself. Be so upset that it happened to you and be happy to see it happen to someone else. You stood by the hole and you said, look, they're about to fall right into it. Don't do that. Like, what is the point of that? You already fell into the hole. How is it making you feel any better by seeing someone else fall into it? That's, you know, just an indication you're not growing. You're not growing. And you probably will fall right back into that hole again. And you probably was looking at the ground this time. But that's because that's what you deserved. You can't expect for good things to happen to you and only want everything bad that ever happened to you to happen to someone else. You have to, you you know, want to see good things happen to someone else, even if they didn't happen for you. For me, I may have fell into that hole, but I'm hoping that no one else does. Like, you know... Besides trying to figure it out for someone who's on their way into it and trying to warn them, how about, you know, if I get the opportunity, the chance or the resources, let's fill that hole so no one ever falls into it again. You know, it's it's so many different things that I feel like it's it feels like it's supposed to be a given. You're supposed to want to see the next generation do better than yours. You're supposed to want to see your children or anyone who comes after you to do better and, you know, have better. And it's okay if you, you know, have that, you know, mindset where you don't all the time, you're not always happy for someone someone else's success. But you need to understand that that needs to go somewhere. Like that has to, you have to improve on that because imagine staying like that forever. Imagine being the person who can't, you know, who can't stand and see someone else happy for the rest of your life. Is that really how you want to, you know, start and finish? You never want to grow? Like, 
you don't understand that, you know, a lot of times Satan is counting on your ignorance because of the blessings that's on the other side of curing it. When you help somebody to not trip and fall into that hole, you guys figured out a way to fill that hole. No one else ever tripped and fall into that, fell into those hole, that hole ever again. And whoever knows what comes of that, like so many different blessings. Maybe you guys, you know, <laughs> get some sort of company. Maybe you guys, you know, just maybe you just end up being the kind of person who is, I don't know, maybe you're just blessed. I don't want to keep making scenarios. You know, because yeah, you can say you got a you got a whole company out of it. Now you guys fill holes and you get you get paid a bunch of a bunch of money, or maybe you save the right person and they end up saving your life. You know, you never know what happens. You never know what opportunities you get from trying to help somebody, and a lot of times you have to accept that you may not get anything. But that's the point. It's not going to come when you expect it. It's going to come when you least expect it. Because if you only do things in order to see blessings or in order to get benefits from it. You're not really doing it for the right reasons. So I try my best to accept what position I'm in and still want to see everybody else in theirs as well as they are. And if they're in bad positions, want to see them in better ones. So and comparison is a thief of joy, because a lot of times we're trying to see ourselves, even when it seems like somebody has our dream life. We're trying to see ourselves in their position and we just never would fit there, even in a million years. Because a lot of times you have to walk a mile in someone's shoes to see that you can't fit them. And God has the perfect size for you. And he has the perfect shoes for you. But you have to be willing to want that. You have to be willing to. You have to be willing to see somebody else in theirs in order to be able to walk in yours properly. I feel like that's so necessary because how can you, you know, even see where you're going when you're watching somebody else's feet? You got to pay attention to your path. You got to make your own ways. You got to make your own path. You have to pave it and accept everything that come with it. Because a lot of times when you look over at somebody else's, you're not able to see clearly all of the blessings and the curse and the curses, excuse me, that comes with their path that you couldn't handle over there and they can handle over your over where you at. You have to pay attention to your path. So I remember just asking God a few times, like, you know, well, what about this for me? What about that for me? Not because I was jealous of what somebody else had. But just because I was just wondering, you know, do I fit what I what I what I go well in this? Like, why wouldn't you have this have this for me? I feel like, you know, I possess certain qualities. I can do it like this. It's not even that I want to do it how they've done it. It's not even that I want what they have. It's just that I feel like with such an opportunity, I can make the best of it and make it my own. And God has never denied me an opportunity that I wanted. All I had to do is work hard for it. But you know, he has always shown me that he has better for me, something that fits me better, something that is so much more than what I am, you know, so-called wanting. I don't know what I want. And when he reveals to me that I don't necessarily know what I want, it just looks good to me at the time. Then I'm willing to submit to him and accept like I want what you want, God, because I clearly can't see, you know, the bigger picture like you do. 
I can't even think or imagine on such a level like you are. And when I'm thinking I want something, I could take it into my own hands and end up with a lot less than what you actually have for me. Imagine saying to God, you know, I only have a penny, but I want that dime. And God has a whole dollar for you. And you accepted the dime because you thought you knew better. I only had a penny. Of course, I'm going to accept the dime. But God said, I had a dollar. So, you know, you have to be patient. You have to believe him. You got to trust it. A lot of times it look so bad. A lot of times it looks so different than what you expected it to look like. A lot of times it doesn't feel like it's working on a level that you're expecting it to. Like, for example, for YouTube. I wanted to be on YouTube. And honestly, I've been really wanting to pursue YouTube in such a way since like really like 12 or 13. But seriously, since 2016. And by now, I would have had that. I would have had such a following because I have, you know, a presence. I do have a presence in a, you know, a way about myself. I'm interesting. I know that I can attract people with like-minded individuals who will support me. And then just people who will support me just because they like who I am. I'm sure that I can do that. It's never been an issue for me. But God showed me what he has for me. When I wanted to pursue YouTube and take it seriously, God called me into him. He said, I need you to come into me and come out of the world. And I need you to draw nigh. Meaning, I need you to get closer to me. And right now, you can keep pursuing the YouTube thing. And that will, you know, some you can make that work. You can, you know, I'm not denying you anything. I believe in you. I believe you can make anything work that you want to work. You know, that you want to work. So you can make that YouTube thing work. But you'll be just putting off your destiny. So draw an eye. And so as... When I started my YouTube and I started, you know, just uploading and, you know, dedicating myself to my YouTube, the funny thing about it was God was even supporting that too. Like reminding me, hey, you know, you should be consistent and persistent. You should post a video every week if you can, if not every two weeks. You know, you don't want to let the videos go, you know, inconsistently because that's how you build a following. God is helping me, you know, do this. I can do this. But at the same time, he's revealing to me different things and aspects about it that were repelling me. And they were repelling me because he had a greater destiny for me. And it wasn't rejection because do you call it rejection? When you can pursue that and, you know, actually do something with it and actually be somebody with it and you can do whatever you want to do there, but it just doesn't feel right. It just feels like you're settling for less than what you deserve, not even less than because you can make it whatever you feel like you want to make it, but just it just doesn't fit you or whatever it is that you feel, you know, drawn to from God by God, you know, it's him feels like so much more and totally different. I wanted to speak about this. Even though I knew that, you know, the only person who would really be able to validate this is my mom, if she remembered that this happened, because sometimes she just doesn't remember certain things. I feel like she has selective memory, and that's something I'll talk about another time. 
But all I know is one day I prayed to God. I said, God, I really want a business. God, if you could just, you know, just miraculously provide me with a business idea that you know and, you know, I would be able to prosper in. And, you know, Lord, Lord God, I want a million dollars, you know, and (laughs) I was really just telling God I will take it serious. All you have to do, Lord God, is just give me a cheat code. I'll ask him for a cheat code. The Lord will cheat for you in a justifiable way. Excuse me, not a justifiable way. I don't want to sound like you're justifying it, but he will cheat for you and it's still justice. You know what I mean? Like, it's not wrong. But, um... He told me, okay, I'll help you. First thing he said was, what you need to understand is that in a few years' time, you know, very soon, not even a few years, he didn't give me a real, you know, time limit, but he definitely put like a few years on it, I think. I'm coming back. I'll be back soon. I'm going to be there. But, you know, since you really want this in the meantime, here's what you can do. And he told me to start drawing up masks. Mass M A I can't say it right, but M A S K S Mass. He he told me to start drawing them up, and you know just think of a draw up a whole page, fill up my whole sketchbook with them, and then start making them. And at the time, this was three years before COVID, and I was like, people do not wear these, but I can I can you know I'm a fashion designer, I can make these you know, um, popular. I can make these look good, you know. Because I can make them so interesting that you just want to wear them, you know, even though it's no reason to. Like, a lot of times, girls don't even want to cover up their face because their makeup is done up or their lipstick. So I can make these look good, you know. And the only people around that time who was even, you know, wearing masks was that um, that dance group. I think their name was Medenteo. They were wearing masks and they were dancing. And it was not even a thing yet. Everybody wasn't even wearing them. And God told me to draw them up. I still have the sketchbook when I drew them up in 2017. When God gave me that word, he said, trust me, this is going to be your business. And I trusted him. And I told my mother and I said, mom, you know, God is telling me about these masks, telling me to draw them up and I'm going to start a business. And I was like, um. And I know nobody's wearing them right now, but I'm going to design them so nice. And I am so sure that, you know, this is what he said and that this is going to, you know, these are going to come into style in the next few years. I'm sure about this. God is telling me this. And I never did get that business started because I don't want to I don't want to make a because or make excuses for myself. But I was still in, in the world and my time with God, you know. A lot of times I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was say, I wasn't taking it serious. I definitely was taking it serious. It was the most important part of my life. But I just, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say I didn't have the startup money. I will always find a way for something I really wanted. It was just, I didn't, I didn't get it started. I kept putting it off and procrastinating. So three years come by and lo and behold, you know, COVID and now everybody's wearing masks. The fashionable masks are, you know, being sold out. And, you know, people with mask businesses are, you know, blowing up. They're making so much money. You know, 
And they just got their start in, a, in five minutes ago. I've been planning mine for years. So you might ask, so why didn't you start then? Why didn't you just pull everything together then if you had the blueprint and the plan ready? Because God had called me out of it already. By then, he had already called me out of it. By then, my purpose and my destiny was so much more important. By then, I was, you know, pulled away from the world completely. And it might sound like, nah, that's an excuse. But when you understand, you know, God and what he's telling you to do, and the different things around you that he's keeping you from and protecting you from and, and you know, helping you to avoid, then you listen. You listen, trust me. So around this time, I could have started the business, but it would have cost me all of the growth that I was making with God. Simply put, he was calling me to be in, come into him and to draw nigh to him while he works miracles in my life. And if I had spent that time that I was spending with God on a business, I would have had, you know, more money and less peace, less, you know, less, you know, less of a void filled in my heart. I would have had less everything, less understanding. And amazingly, in this time, he actually started exposing to me everyone around me, everyone and everything around me. And money did not matter. Money did not play a factor because one thing he also exposed to me is that the people with the money, so-called money that are, you know, you're acting like if you're in that position or if you had that, it would make a difference. They're actually jealous of you. They're jealous of you without any money. So what makes you think money would make a difference? And if you feel like money would fill that void better than I would, ample opportunity. But at this point, you know, I had the startup money. I had the time. I had the, you know, the momentum was, you know, there. But God was like, no. God was like, well, he didn't say no. He was like, you can, but. This is, you know, I have something more for you. You need to trust me. He didn't even all the way tell me what it was, but he's just like, I have something more for you. You need to trust me. I look back and I think like if I had spent that time on this business, you know, I would have had the money, but it, nothing would have made a difference. It wouldn't have made a difference. It wouldn't have made it, it really wouldn't have made a difference besides the fact that people get to say, you know, I'm not successful in that in that way. I'm not a successful business owner. I don't have a lot of money. You know, they could, you know, say that. But, you know, one thing that God has revealed to me is that that is so irrelevant when it's spiritual warfare. This is not a flesh and blood battle and money can't buy you out of this. Money can't, you know, make it no better. When witches are attacking your soul, when demons and Satan is trying to buy your soul, and you're not trying to sell it, money is not going to get you out of that situation or save you from it. He can access you no matter where you are. So it's not about money. It's not about money. It's about spirit. It's about a relationship with God. It's about building a rapport with him. And that was the best time I ever spent. I'm telling you, 
you know, I think back and I say, well, what could I have sacrificed that I was sacrificing time on, that I was wasting time on, that I could have spent, you know, actually on this business instead. And I could have had both. It was no way because it was a certain, you know, it was a certain pull in the, in the wrong direction. Satan was trying to distract me. What he would have done was allowed my business to take off. Then my business would have taken up all of my time. Then I would have told myself, you know, I'll get to God later or I'll come around to praying to God later. Or, you know, I know that God is amazing. He'll make time when I have no time. But Satan would have tried his best to create such a demand in my business and made me choose. He would have made me choose between the business, the money and that lifestyle or God. That's what he was doing anyways, because in reality, the way Satan works I didn't even have to work. I didn't even have to put the money in for the business. You know, and me choosing a business or to put my time into a business was choosing this world over God. God said, to be a friend of me, you have to be an enemy of this world. And to be a friend of this world is to be an enemy of me. So I had to choose and I chose God and I made the right decision. I would never regret it because now... Like, I have things money cannot buy. Like, money, I'm not going to say I don't need it. You know, I'm not going to say that money is not important. But one thing that I've definitely noticed in this situation is money has driven a lot of negative experiences. And it was not worth it at all. So many people thinking money is worth it and let, allowing money to, you know, choose for them. And, and in the meantime, God, oh my goodness, like... You won't even know you're making the wrong decision until you make it. He'll still save you, but you make the wrong decision first, and then you find out it was the wrong one. You make the right decision first, and then you find out it was the right one. And I was just so blessed to have trusted him and listened to him because he told me to choose him, and then I choose him. And then, you know, later on, I find out that Satan was, you know, trying to pull you out of me, pull you away from me and distract you. And this was, this is what would have happened. Now I can go on and on and on about the, you know, things that could have happened or would have happened or did happen. But overall, what it turned, what it really comes down to and what it turns out to be is that, you know, everything that I felt like I was missing out on, I missed nothing. And I will have that in the future a million times over. And while I suffered and while I struggled and while I went without, God was multiplying what I'm going to have. And not only that, I'm still so blessed in the process. I'm, I'm making the right decisions. I'm choosing God over money, over clout, over validation or acceptance from this world. I'm choosing God over Satan. And I hate to tell people that money is Satan because the, the reality is it. The reality, like I said, is everybody's journey is different. God might bless you with a lot of money and give, also bless you with the ability to really move mountains and bring so many different people to him, you know, like a ministry or he may have blessed you so much. That's his plan for your life. You have money. You have, you know, attention. You have, you know, fame. 
whatever you want to call it. And he's still allowing you to work for him. He's still allowing you to, you know, do his will. But I noticed like a lot of times we just don't realize the hold money has on us, even when we are willing to let it go for God. It still has a hold on us because a lot of times God is going to give you a trick question. He's going to say, you can have the money and you can have me. And you have to say, it's okay, God, I just want you. And it's not always that simple. A lot of times you have to, you know, be willing to recognize that God gives you an option that's obtainable and that's simple. But not only until you choose the hard option, the hard choice, or the choice that's not even necessarily an option that was given. It's just something that you had to feel your way through and use your spirit of wisdom and discernment to figure out. Do you realize that, you know, that that would have led you to something still great, still good, still blessed, but nowhere near as blessed as you are and and are going to be. I don't know how to explain it. I hope I explained it well, but pretty much what I'm trying to say is there were so many options God gave me. He told me about the business. I would have had a successful business, a bunch of money. You know, I probably would have avoided a lot of issues that way. And I probably would have avoided a lot of, you know, circumstances, whatever. But I wouldn't be as blessed as I am now. I wouldn't have as much as I have now. I wouldn't have, you know, the future that I have now. And the way that I see so many different people involved in this situation with as much money as they ever wanted, access to whatever they want in the world right now, money, you know, they can buy love. They can buy, or they think they can. They can buy, you know, whatever it is that they want right now. They they claim they can buy my life. But, you know... When it comes down to it, they're unhappy. They are bitter. They are miserable. They have that void in their heart. They're so far from God. They're losing anyways. And the money could never put them in a better position. It's it's virtually just ashes. It's virtually nothing. In the spirit, you could say money all you want, but you may be, you know... <laughs> in the same hole with a homeless person or a homeless person may be well up way better off than you are in a spirit it's never about money or anything involving flesh and blood like anything materialistic you have to choose god and i'm not always saying that i'm making the perfect decisions i'm just saying that you know i realized like in most of the decisions that i've made if i had chosen the other one i would be way worse off I would be much worse off. So I also realized that, you know, if you had made the wrong decision, if you went the wrong way, that's not going to stop God from blessing you because he loves you. You're his child. He will help you anyways. You know, there's people in this situation who chose money, who are in the position, they have all the money they want, and God still sees their heart and still wants to save them and still putting them in a position to have everything else they wanted that they didn't necessarily choose first. So, you know, it's, it's not like you will be missing out on something as long as you're with, not as long as you're with God. I don't want to say that. 
it's not that you'll be missing out on something. It's just that, you know, you'll be missing out on something. I'm sorry. I don't know how to explain it. I just know that, you know, it is it's it's not complicated. It's really not complicated. You know, you choose money now and choose God later. And, you know, it's kind of going to end up like that for, you know, when it comes down to the things you expect from God. You know, you chose money. Then you chose him as a second thought or an afterthought. Well, you know, expect God to see you as an afterthought then. I mean, I don't want to say that because he never sees any of his children as an afterthought. But it's going to feel like that. You know, you, you made your choice. You know, you chose money. So at this point, I have to get my children who are, you know, not double minded and unstable in in their ways. You know, I got to get my children who and that's not always true, but I'm, I'm, I need to focus on my children who chose me. They need me. You know, you need me, too. But, you know, what what do you need more? Because. You kind of already told me what you need more when you chose money. So that being said, I kind of the reason why it sounds like I'm tripping over my words is because I know different circumstances and different situations where there are people who chose the money over God and he's still choosing them. God is God no matter what. He can't deny himself. He's faithful. You know, he's merciful. He's gracious no matter what. But at the same time, there are, you know, plenty of people who chose the money and they are, you know, ending up with way less, way less. And you can see it like, okay, let me put it simply. Let me just put it blatant. Pretty much if you choose the money, you're going to have a void in your heart. You're going to be missing something. And when you're seeking, when you're finally seeking God for, you know, to fill that void, you may have to either get rid of all the money and start over or, you know, you may end up with less. As opposed to choosing God right now, the money and everything will come later and you have everything from God. You have to seek him first in all your ways and then he will establish you. That's what it's about. Now, I don't know everybody's story. How, you know, I'm going to say a few names because why I look like I'm making this stuff up? Why I look like it's not even about what it look like. I just feel like it like why not be specific and give specific examples so I can help people get to a better understanding of what I meant and what I'm saying. With Pastor Mike Jr., you can see, excuse me, with Pastor Michael Todd Jr., you can see that he has such an amazing following and such a amazing church and ministry. I even recently just heard him say, you know, it's cost him a million dollars. I had a vision with Pastor Michael Todd Jr. Pastor Michael Todd Jr., you know, I cannot speak for his situation, but it kind of seems like he's balanced. Where he has the money and he also has the relationship with God on a great level. I won't say it's where it should be or it's on the best level because I've noticed that God showed me something. I'm going to be 100% honest. God has shown me that, you know, he, you know, is not where he should be because of the money. A little bit. 
It's only a little bit, though. Like, I, I had a vision with him where he opened up a church and a school. He's super established. You know, he has a bunch of people with hundreds, if not thousands of, you know, kids, children, teens, and adults attending his church school where he taught them about God. He was setting everybody up and he was so pressed for time. He was so busy because he was so abundant and he's such a great person inside and out. So he really does, you know, possess that you know, balance where it's like he has the money because God provided it. And he does have that relationship because he's, he was, he's where he needs to be. But God also revealed to me, like, it's just a small portion, just a small piece where he's kind of falling a little bit short. And that's due to, you know, kind of being driven by the money just a little bit. I'm only being honest because I noticed it. And something else that I also noticed was, See, my position is very, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be honest with myself, my position is constantly fluctuating because I need to dedicate myself and not backslide. Sometimes I backslide and, you know, I get stressed and it's hard for me to keep moving forward. So I almost sometimes just want to just forget everything, but that's only for five seconds when I'm upset. But there was a certain level I was at when I was backsliding. That's where he was, but it was still super high up. And then, you know, then it was a level where I was, you know, kind of very, very, very low. And I wasn't even where he's at because I had backsliding down so much. And my relationship is fluctuating like that where he's still on this level. You know, he stays there with God, as well as Marcus Rogers, as well as Mac Praise, as, as well as a couple people. But he's staying on this level with God and I'm fluctuating where I'm down here then I'm down and I'm in the middle. Then I'm where he's at. Then I'm above him. Then I'm all the way up here by God right next to him, right up underneath him. You know, like I'm fluctuating and he's always there. And he's really kind of like, I would say 80, 90 percent. No, I want to say that. I would just say he's like 10 percent less than where he could be. But um, then there's Marcus Rogers. He's also, you know, at this level with God where he's balanced. It's it's just different for him. I feel like with um, Pastor Michael Todd Jr., he has such a amazing, fo- not amazing following. His, um, his following is so great. And he's more of a, he's involved with the following type thing. And when I see him, it's like he's he's a lot of times busy. And he has a lot of people he's influencing. That's what God has appointed him to do. As opposed for um, Marcus Rogers, he has such a great following, but he is more of a on a personal level with a lot of people. I've seen him in, in many different visions, and it seems like he's more like um, undivided attention sort of thing. But I don't want to speak, you know, for that because it feels like with Marco, Mar- Pastor Michael Todd, excuse me, I'm mixing their names, Pastor Michael Todd. He is able to provide undivided attention for each and every individual student while at the same time balancing all of them. I've noticed him doing that. With Marcus Rogers, he's more of the focal. He's focused on the individuals, able to kind of, it feels like, you know, you're part of his family. 
it feels like you're you're part of his family. He's focused on you, undivided attention, like you're his child. But I don't know what it's like for other people. And then, um, but that's just, you know, the different personalities, of course. But they're still balancing. Then with Mac Praise. With Mac Praise, he is on a he's on a certain level with God. He stays there. He's really, really, really high up. And he's not really fluctuating. He he kind of stays where he is. And God loves him so much. God loves him so much. That's something I really notice about him. It's not that he is I don't I can't speak for other people and their visions with him, but I don't think that he's really like, you know, somebody that God kind of like introduces to a lot of people like that. He kind of stays where he is and he's, you know, he has his, you know, I feel like appointed title or appointed like power that God has given him and God loves him. Like that's his, you know, <laughs> that's really like his, you know, that's his favorite, you know, but I don't want to say God has favorites, you know, but these are people God has chosen that he has introduced me to. Right. And so then there's NBA young boy. Well, NBA Youngboy, he would be the one who, who chose the money, you know, kind of over God. But I can't really call that because God also loves him. And God really wants to do, like, something so amazing in NBA Youngboy's life that it feels like that's what's kind of brewing up right now. Like, what he's probably about to do is, I think, if I had to call it, I'm not going to say because don't don't quote me. I feel like he's probably going to convert NBA Youngboy's entire audience and, you know, um following following over to God through him even though he started in the wrong hands and under the wrong you know kind of in the wrong lane God is you know like you are worth it to me and I'm about to do something so amazing through you that you never thought would would ever even be possible because you doubted my power and God is about to show his power through him. That's what I've noticed God doing in his life. See, everybody has a different journey. And I may not seem very significant now, but I also, you know, know that my journey is very significant and having a lot to do with a lot of these different situations while all tying together with my journey and the power he has, you know, placed on me. And the things I have yet to do as well. Like, for me, a young boy, um, I realized that, you know, he didn't, it's not that he didn't choose God, it's not that he hated God, it's just that he, you know, he, he, he lost hope, I would say, I don't want to say he lost hope, but he kind of, he almost, did, he, like I said, he doubted God's power, maybe he did, he was, I don't want to say he doubted it, he wasn't aware that God could move in a way that he could move. Meaning God kind of warned him, like, listen, there's going to come a time where, you know, I'm going to be so, you know, prevalent in your life. So you should just wait. And it may hurt you missing out on this opportunity, which I know you want to be famous. I know you want to be rich. I know you want to prove everybody wrong. But if you choose this, you'll, you know, avoid all that suffering and, and all this unnecessary evil you wouldn't have to endure. And you'll still get everything I have for you. But he chose that and God said that's okay because you know you you know I have a plan for you anyways. And so I think that he was supposed to do that. 
because then he was supposed to have this this example I feel like I want to say I'm the example but he was he was feeling like he did it for all the right reasons and then God was supposed to show him that it was somebody who you know could have listened to what God said and it still would have made sense because in the way that he did it it doesn't seem like he's wrong all the way yeah he may be wrong but it just feels like you know based on the circumstances like you don't you can't prove to me that anybody would have not done what I did and God had to prove that that's actually not true. You know, somebody would have not done what you did, even under the circumstances. That being said, then there's Money Yaya. So, with Money Yaya, like, she was born into money. And I think that she believes that, you know, with or without the money, she would understand the lifestyle. People who was born without it. That's not necessarily all the way true, even though she does have a pure heart. And somewhat can't understand that. And Somewhat is not as judgmental as most people probably born into money or in her position would be. Yet still, she doesn't understand. And she's convinced herself that she does. And this right now is kind of like a wake-up call. But also, in a way, the worst kind of wake-up call. Because she doesn't want to see somebody be who she thinks she is, but she's not. And it's, it's a reality check and it's truth. And so many people would love to see this happen to her. And that's why it kind of is like hurts a little more, I think. Or is a little bit more offensive because it's like, what are you trying to prove, God? But at the same time, it's like, God will not be mocked. You know, he doesn't say things to you to hurt you. He doesn't say things to you to see you suffer. He doesn't say things to you just to take everything away from you that you want. He says things to you because it's real. He does things because it's important. And regardless of how well you think you can do without him, that's never going to be true. Ever. And you, and just because you say it doesn't make it true. Or just because you make other people believe it doesn't make it true. Or just because you use whatever resources you have here to try and make that seem like that's what it is doesn't make it true. Because God is almighty. He's He's in full control and he can show, he can prove everything and do everything that you're doing except the right way, 100% right and pure and true without any resource you've used. And that's how he shows his power. Just like with the Gideonites, you know, they were scared. <laughs> they were kind of weak. And God said, I only need a few of y'all. And he said, with their great army, and they were supposed to be going against, I think, the Midianites. And the Midianites were really big and strong. They had weapons, big horses. They were setting up camp, and it was really going to devour them. And God said, nah, even just a handful of what you have. He said, but what about their army? It's so great and strong. We don't stand a chance even with all the people we have. You know, he's like, so send everybody who's scared home. Half, half the people walk off. And then I need less than that. So send everybody to the, you know, pond. And whoever laps up water with their hand, separate them from the people who just leans in and drinks water straight out of the pond. That's left him. It wasn't nothing super significant about that. It's just how he decided who he was going to choose. And it left him with a handful of people, probably not even 50 people. While the Midianites were like 500, probably more, probably 5,000. But God said, let me show you my power. And he gave the Midianites visions. He said, 
I know you're still scared to Gideon and the Gideonites. He said, so if you're still so scared to go against them, I want you to sneak down into their camp tonight and listen outside of their tent. And the Gideonites listened outside of their tent and they said, the Midianites were like, God gave me a vision that, you know, he's going to send, I forgot what it was, a big rock or something like that. And just, just wipe us all out. And we don't stand a chance against their army. And they're trembling and they're scared and they don't even want to fight because of the visions that God have given, God has given them. And so he says to the, to Gideon and the Gideonites, you're not even going to have to fight. So the next morning, they're confident because they hear how scared they are. They go down there and the Midianites just run. They leave everything. They don't even they don't even try and fight because they're so afraid because God has given them visions of what would happen to them. That's what it feels like. It feels like that where God is using somebody who you otherwise wouldn't even see as a threat. And he's placing so much power on them and then showing you what he can do with them. That it's not even about your fear of them. It's about your fear of him. Even though all the way up until this point, you may have been trying to deny his power. And so now everybody's running. Not scared to fight. Running into each other. They even start fighting each other. That's literally what's happening here. And when it turned, when, when it come down to it, you know, in reality, they were scared, more scared than you. If not just as scared, but because God said they have the victory, that's what they would have. And he made that clear before you ever put a hand on them, before you ever even stepped up to fight them. And so you saw who knows what they saw. <laughs> they probably in their mind saw five million when it was probably just 50 of them. And they ran the opposite direction and they won the battle without even having to lift a finger. Even though they were completely afraid and nobody believed in them, not on their side or not on the other side, besides the people who had seen those visions. So that's what happens when God shows his power, when he says what's going to happen. It doesn't matter what the other side looks like. It doesn't matter what they have or what they lack. They're going to win because God said that. And he validates the invalid. Like, otherwise, you know, I probably don't have millions of dollars to fight somebody with millions of dollars or from millions of dollars. I don't have millions of followers to fight somebody who has millions of followers. I don't even really know people or go outside a lot. The only person I know is God, and that's all I need. Because he's placed me in such a position that all the resources in the world on their side could never even do anything over here. And they're running into each other and they're fighting each other and they're running away out of fear of what could happen. But still trying to convince themselves, you know, you, I don't want to say that they're trying to convince themselves because the Midianites weren't trying to convince themselves anything. They were so afraid. That's what it feels like. That's what I'm seeing. It's just a little different. The only difference is. Because the only difference here, I feel like, is the fact that, you know, it's okay. So he didn't have to make them look like, not he, he didn't, he didn't make the Gideonites look like something that they weren't. But I am an example of who they said that they weren't be. I'm sure 
it's a story like that in the Bible too. I can barely remember right now, but they said that it doesn't exist and he showed them that it does. That's kind of what God does. I love him. Like I love him that he does stuff like that. But um, also like, you know, they, I mean, I think besides that, everything else is pretty much there. It's square. I don't want to keep going into it because, you know, I will have to keep explaining every single little detail. And it's a couple, it's a couple of things that's, you know, different, but it, it just doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't really tie into the Gideonite story, but that pretty much sums up everything was going on. The Gideonites were scared. They were feeble. They were otherwise not even a real army. And they didn't stand a chance against the Midianites, who was a full-blown army, fully suited up with armor, horses. You know, <laughs> it's like thousands of them, and they don't really lose battles. And when God said, this is what's going to happen, even though it seems like he cheated by giving them, the, them those visions, he already had made it very clear that I don't even need all the people that I could actually use. I'm God. So it wouldn't have made a difference. And then they're running away and running into each other and fighting each other instead of the Gideonites only to, you know, find out that. It never, you know, they never even posed a threat to them. It was God the whole time. I don't know. It's important. I feel like it's important. It's a, it's a lot to go to, a lot more to go to it because it's a lot more intricate details. But overall, like, it's a lot we can learn from that. All of us. To sum it up, it's like, don't ever think that just because you don't have certain things, like, I feel like you can learn this from NBA Youngboy's story as well. Like, he felt because he didn't have certain things, money, following, people who didn't treat him how he felt like he wanted to be treated. He needed to get that in order to be able to do something in this world. And God told me, you don't need none of that for me to be able to use you, and you're going to see. And that's what he's doing. The Midianites, a lot of times before they even faced the Gideonites, felt like they were going to bulldoze through anybody because they was, you know, they had all the armor, they had all the... Uh, weapons they had all they had uh, thousands of people they had all the materialistic worldly things that could otherwise win a win a battle but they said their god is the god of israel he can make things just happen he is a ruler of the earth alpha and omega we don't stand a chance no matter what we have and that's what it's about when god shows his power it doesn't matter what you do or don't have what he said is going to happen is what's going to happen and a lot of people might see me and not think I pose a threat otherwise without him. And that's okay because I know I'm nothing without him. But I just hope that everybody starts believing in God like in that way. Don't start chasing after these other things, expecting them to fill voids in your heart. Don't start chasing after these other things, expecting them to do something that, you know, God already said he can do without it. Seek him first and everything else will be added unto you.